All right, welcome to This Stuff Works podcast. And when I we started talking about at Echelon Front, the idea that we, we get to engage with leaders all the time. We get to learn from leaders all the time. We get to see how so many different leaders in just about every type of business across the full spectrum of industries. We see it with first responders. We see it in healthcare. We see it in the military. We see it across the broadest range of, of leadership in education, in nonprofit organizations. And so we get to see the impact these leaders are having in their world when they lead through the principles of extreme ownership that we wrote about, that we talk about, that we teach at Echelon Front. And, and so we, we talked about why don't we have a podcast that actually talks to these leaders so they can actually talk about how this, uh, these leadership principles have impacted their lives, the impact it actually has had, uh, the changes that they've been able to make, the successes that they've had, where they've actually struggled implementing you know, some of these things as well, to share that with other leaders. And as we started thinking about this, I thought there is absolutely no better leader that I could possibly talk to as the first guest on, on the podcast uh, here than Sarah Armstrong. And uh, I just want to give you a little background about, about Sarah. Sarah is, has almost 30 years experience in, uh, in finance and operations in corporate America. And Sarah, you've been this, the CFO for six years now at Mesa Technical Associates. Uh, before that, you were at 13 years uh, at Wham Systems. You've been the VP of Finance uh, for for uh, at, at a startup. You've been a senior accountant at uh, Bell Atlantic and Deloitte. So you've got a massive amount of experience in the finance and operations world. And more than anything, you are an extraordinary leader and a trooper in the game, uh, as we like to say for those people that follow Jocko Podcasts. Uh, and and so you know one thing that's 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 awesome about our Extreme Ownership Academy, you know that where we meet online, there's a hashtag in there in those Zoom links uh, that people always talk about, which is hashtag Sarah knows, and people put that in there. And what I love about that is you're a leader, you, uh, you, not only for me but for everybody on the Echelon Front team. You know we have tremendous admiration, and respect for you, for your knowledge, for your understanding of the principles we teach. And you're able to to share that that with people uh, with lessons learned from your from your own personal experience, but also just provide some guidance and affirmation with so many different leaders. And the fact that we've gotten a chance to meet you at musters and see you in person uh, and and get to know you uh, and see the impact that you've had on your world, I, I thought this was just an awesome opportunity to talk to you uh, about your experiences with these leadership principles that we teach, how they've been implemented, where they work, you know, where you've struggled to implement them and made adjustments, uh, and where you've been able to share them with other people with, with success as well. So thanks for coming on the podcast, Sarah. Thanks for uh, inspiring this entire thing to happen. Oh, well, thank you, Leif. It's such a pleasure to be here and spend some time talking with you about something that's very important to me and a lot of people, which is leadership. Yeah. And we, we decided to title this thing, This Stuff Works, based on your recommendation, uh, because it's something that we hear all the time from people that we work with. Can you talk a little bit about that? Oh, certainly. So that is something that a lot of people talk about uh, during the Extreme Ownership Academy as they um, give a situation report. So they'll go over something that uh, they learned on the Academy or reading the books, and then they will implement it. And then they will come back and sometimes somewhat surprised will say, wow, it works. And over time that this stuff works, regardless of your industry, regardless of whether you're a man or a woman, regardless of uh, how many years you've been in your position, these tools that we are taught um, on the Extreme Ownership Academy, um, you start to realize 
the right tool for the job um, when it comes to leadership. And so this stuff works um, to me really indicates the benefit of all of the, the lessons that we learn on a weekly basis um, through the Extreme Ownership Academy. What I loved about when you made that suggestion, uh, I, I had to smile because I remember going through our workup cycle and tasking a bruiser when Jocko was my boss as our tasking commander. You know, I was the SEAL platoon commander and we were preparing uh, to deploy overseas. This is before we actually went to Ramadi um, in 2006. So this is back like 2005. And Jocko would give me a piece of leadership guidance and say, hey, why don't you think about doing this? And, you know, because I'm a stubborn person and I've got an ego, I, I sometimes I would think to myself, well, I, it doesn't make any sense. I don't know how that would work. But I was smart enough at least to suppress that and think, you know what, Jocko hasn't steered me wrong. Let me actually try to, to implement this. And so I would give that a shot. I would, I would take his suggestion. I would implement that leadership guidance. And I would say, dang, man, this stuff actually works. And I would say that to him all the time. This stuff really works. So... Uh, when you suggested that, and that became kind of a hashtag that people use and, and make reference to on, on the Academy, uh, I thought that was awesome. And I thought it's the perfect name for what we're talking about here, to the, the, the examples of where these leadership principles have been implemented uh, and the impact that they've delivered. And I want to just touch briefly on the, the hashtag Sarah knows, because it's, it's awfully kind um, of people to say that. But um, it's really because I have a lot of experience and I've been put in a lot of, you know, I've put in leadership reps and um, I've had exposure to a lot of situations, um, you know, and over time, I'm 52 years old, 30 years in business, almost 30 years married. Um, you start to really develop a skill of pattern recognition. And so it, it might seem like I know things that, um, someone else doesn't. It's just that I've put in the reps. And there's a really good quote, which is, there's no compression algorithm for experience. So I have a lot of experience. And so that quote, while it's to a large extent true, the, the one thing I can say is that training is an accelerator. Leadership is an art and a science, and it can be taught and you can get better at it. And um, so I like to say on, on the Extreme Ownership Academy that every day is a school day. Like I'm a student, I'm 30 years in at this point and I learn something new every single week that I attend the Academy that I can apply in my personal life, uh, with my family, with my friends, in my community, in volunteer activities and at work. So um, it, it's a nice thing that people say but um, I've, I've put in a lot of reps at this point in my career. Where you've, you're very humble about that, Sarah. I mean, what, what I say is, you know, when Sarah talks, we listen. And that's certainly the, you know, when you have uh, perspective to share, it's, it's extremely valuable to people. And I think one thing, you know, you've had tremendous successes. You, you're in, a, you're in a, a great leadership position. You've, you've, you've proven uh, your leadership skills as a result. And, and what I love about what you demonstrate all the time is what we, what we often talk about, the most important quality of a leader, which is humility. You know, we say in life, it's it's, uh, it's be humble or get humbled. And I think, you know, with with your years of experience, you've recognized what works and what doesn't work. And you're you you you're open about sharing these things about about other people's perspectives. I think the most valuable thing that you often do, you know, if I'm talking about a leadership concept is you will help people understand the perspective. And particularly from the finance world, I think that's that's very unique when when you 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 provide a perspective of hey here's what your CFO is probably concerned about you know when you're you're frustrated that you can't run this thing up the chain or they're not vectoring the resources you know to to get this thing that you think is 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 important you know when we're talking to a leader 
And yet you're 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 having you're you're having them see the world from other people people's perspective, and you do that not only from the business side, but but as a parent, um, as a, as a daughter. I mean, you talk about interaction with your parents, your your kids, and I think that's uh, and how this applies, you know, on the home front as well. So uh, it's super valuable, uh, and that's that's why I'm listening when you provide that perspective because it's it's always valuable and always helpful to me. Oh well, thank you, Leif, and I think uh, again a lot of that is. Um, just putting in all of this time. And um, I'm, I'm kind of an amateur uh, learner regarding behavioral psychology. And I think, you know, I've, I've picked up so many skills in that arena just from all of the opportunities that I've had uh, to interact with people. And you, you again, it's, it's that pattern recognition. It's saying, okay, this person appears to be acting very angry. And then being able to detach for a minute and say, you know what, I actually think it's coming from a place of fear. They're not angry, they're scared. So how can I interact and lead this person through this situation, recognizing what's what's really going on? What's the root cause of what is manifesting as anger, but is most likely fear? They're scared about something. Maybe, um, you know, I've, I've been fortunate enough to go through quite a few M&A, mergers and acquisitions activities in my career. And I am very, very sensitive to how um, information gets rolled out to employees because the minute they hear that a, their company was sold, they get scared. They immediately will think, uh, am I going to lose my job? And, and it's just so important as a leader in, in an organization to be thinking multiple steps ahead about how people will likely uh, receive information and what can you do to head things off at the pass so that um, they go away feeling really good about potential opportunities for career growth and not going home that night to maybe tell their spouse who might just um, have, they might have just bought a new car. They might want to buy a new house. They go home that night and they're like, I, my company was sold. I don't know if I'm going to have a job next week. So that's our responsibility as leaders to make sure that we're always thinking a couple steps ahead about how people will be receiving information. That's super valuable. And you've shared that with a number of leaders, you know, on Extreme Ownership Academy. And I think what's cool about that is, is, you know, having learned from experience, I think a lot of leaders, they don't think about it that way, right? They're, they're saying, hey, this is awesome. Our company sold. This is a great opportunity for everyone. And they don't see how it could be viewed in the negative. And so they're not even taking action, you know, for that, that contingency uh, until you help them see that perspective. And I think that's, that's the power of detachment. It's the power of thinking strategically, you know, the, uh, uh, one or two steps ahead, as you talked about. Uh, instead of just uh, getting caught blindsided by the fact that people now, you know, are worried about their jobs when when you didn't even anticipate that was an issue. So uh, that that kind of perspective, I think, has been is, is super valuable, and that's where that hashtag Sarah knows comes from. Because I think people have taken that and run with it and realized, hey, this was powerful. This helped me prevent a, a bad situation from materializing before it even began. Um, and that's that's helped a lot of leaders solve problems, which is awesome. That's the uh, tremendous part of the value of the academy is that we're we're discussing real time events. We're we're, you know, I think so. I did a calculation as as I was preparing for this talk today, and I started in the academy in April of 2020, right as COVID hit. So honestly, having even done 30 years of of progressive corporate experience, nobody anticipated what sort of changes were coming to the corporate world with, um, with COVID. 
And so here we are able to discuss, you know, what does work from home look like? And what does, how are we going to lead through this? And what is happening to our business financially? And, you know, hey, has anyone applied for a Paycheck Protection Act loan? Can we help each other as leaders through some of these things? And, you know, now two years later, having, having joined the academy and doing, you know, I'm, I'm there three times a week and um, three times a week for two years, that is about two full-time months of leadership training that I've had. I could have easily wasted that time, you know, an hour here, an hour there, um, you know, scrolling social media, watching something silly on television, but instead investing in learning more, learning how to be a better leader. Um, the, the payback on that has been tremendous. You know, the ROI on that investment for me, for my team, for my company, for my family has been tremendous. But, you know, now we're talking about things like, okay, who, who has successfully been able to do the return to office and what does that look like? And what are you hearing from your people? And, and as the leader, like I said, if you're trying to anticipate three steps ahead, maybe somebody, someone there is already three steps ahead and they'll share that information with you. So I love the fact that it's, you know, real time, we'll have people talk about, um, one, one thing, if you read a lot about leadership is with your team, you always want to explain the why. And we had someone last week who said, well, you know, I told this employee and I explained the why and, you know, and he, he felt like he checked all the boxes of being a good leader. And, you know, the, the value of the interaction is you say, okay, well, why don't we peel that back a little bit? And when you explained the why, were you explaining why it was good for say, the company, as opposed to why it was good for the person, right? What, so what does that really mean? Let's take it, let's dig a little bit deeper. And I just love that because I'm always learning something and um, that, that I can take back and apply for myself and maybe help my team as well. That's awesome. And we're, we're learning right there with you too, which is what I love about those sessions. Absolutely. Sarah, well, you know, let's... discipline, we, we do talk about discipline a lot, right? The, the, the Latin word, the root of discipline is pupil, student, learner, right? So that's what we're all doing to get to, to continue with, you know, being disciplined um, and in the good sense. That's discipline's a little bit of a tough word, especially if like me, you went to Catholic school, right? Uh, and if something went a little sideways, you had to see the disciplinarian, right? I'm being disciplined. It always had a little bit of a negative connotation to it. But the reality is that, you know, the discipline equals freedom is just so true in every aspect of your life. And those are the types of things we, we talk about weekly. And I, I personally just love it. That's great. Yeah, I'll uh, disciple. Uh, me, me, the translation is learner. Absolutely. So that's uh, right. as opposed right. to apostle, which is the sent ones. Those are, uh, those are cool things to, to dig into those, those uh, root words and, and see where they come from. Fun. Yeah. Like the word decision, right? So we talk, you know, what, what is something that makes someone an exceptional leader? It's being good at making decisions, um, you know, making the best decision you can with the information um, and, uh, and timely, right? I'm a, I'm a big advocate of timing. And um, that's the word uh, decide actually means to cut off. So if, if you make a decision, you're, you're actually cutting off 
all of the other things, right? So you, so that's the, that takes us back to one of the four laws of, of combat and leadership, which is um, prioritize and execute, right? So I'm going to be a good leader by making good, timely decisions, which means I'm going to cut off the things that don't really matter. And I'm going to prioritize and execute on getting this thing done for my family or for my team. Yeah, that's outstanding. Great to, great to think about where those things come from. Yeah, they, when you know the way broadly, you see it in all things, right? We talk about that sometimes and that can be a blessing and a curse, right? So it's, it's so helpful to suddenly become kind of aware, self-aware. You know, that's the really important part of what extreme ownership is about, personal accountability. Um, but also when you start realizing, okay, that person's not taking ownership, that person's not taking ownership, that's where some of those, um, you can get tripped up sometimes, right? We talked about that a little bit when, when, you, um, when you are a student of extreme ownership that you, you can sometimes go too fast at trying to share that message with others and occasionally have to dial that back a little bit, that, that people have to be ready for it and see the value of it. So there's, there's a, a good way to do that. And then there's a, a way to do that, that you can turn people off. So that's, that's an important thing that we also talk about. Effective and ineffective. Absolutely. Let's, right. let's talk about your, so your background and upbringing. I know your dad was a Marine and he served in the FBI. He was. Let's talk about yes. where, how, how you were brought up. I, you know, how, how you got to be where you are today. Uh, I, I just want to give, give our listeners uh, some insight into that. Sure, sure. Yeah. Well, um, got a couple of great parents. So I, you know, I recognize it right out of the gate. I'm, I'm very fortunate. My dad was in the Marine Corps, as you said, FBI, 32 years. Um, he ran the organized crime and narcotics division of the Philadelphia FBI. My mother was our county sheriff. So um, that's, you know, a very unusual thing, but um, that's all I didn't realize that. That's amazing. Yep, my mom was our county sheriff for eight years. Um, she was actually the sixth female in our country's history to be elected to sheriff at the time. This is going back. Oh. She's actually, after she um, completed her term as sheriff, she ran for court of common pleas and she's been a judge um, up until just last year when she retired and she's close to 80 now. Um, my parents are both retired. And um, I'll, I'll, I'll give you some tips later, Leif, on, on how old Marines can be a little bit easier on their kids when they, when they're, uh, when they, when they get older, but, uh, they're great. They're great parents. I'm very blessed. And I, and I recognize that. Um, but a lot of my formation, um, and this is something you don't know, Leif probably is that I was a competitive figure skater growing up and, um, was, that was, I was very, very dedicated to that sport. And that I think was, very formative in my discipline and what is today my leadership skills. Um, I'll never forget that going back 35 years now, I had a great coach and he said to me once, I was probably complaining about something, you know, my, my laces were loose on my skates or the ice was too soft or something. And he said to me, Sarah, it is a poor athlete who blames his equipment. 35 years later, I still remember that. And that was the lesson of, we don't play the blame game. It, it's, it's you, you are accountable. It's the, it was the message of extreme ownership that I received as a young figure skater. And I was, I was quite dedicated to it. Um, so I did go to the point where I went through what is the Olympic trials for the 88 games in Calgary. 
Um, and then after that, stopped. So I didn't make the Olympic team, went further than I expected. It was a great experience. Um, I was definitely kind of a free range kid. My mother had gone to law school and I started skating because she needed somewhere to park me after, after school in an after school program while she was going to law school. So she signed me up to take a bus to the ice rink when I was in third grade. Little did they know that would be so, um, you know, that one really stuck with me. And that certainly created a lot of discipline in my life. And the tip I would give to parents out there, and I have a 28-year-old and a 26-year-old, is that getting your child involved in sports, um, some activity that they really, really love, and especially one that has milestones to it, um, is, is so helpful in forming them as a future adult. And an example of that is I will give anyone that is coming for, you know, submits their resume for a job at our company, that's an Eagle Scout, automatic interview. You might, you may or may not get the job, but you get an interview because it, just seeing Eagle Scout tells me that that is a person who has been dedicated to a goal over a period of time. So, you know, you, you see a kid that's been in jujitsu, you see someone who has gone to a certain level in piano, whatever it is to, as a leader, when I see certain things on a resume, I'll say they get an interview, that that person has that grit, they've got that stick to that sometimes it takes um, at work to, to really get through problems, to be able to, to dig deep. Um, so that's, uh, that's a lot of my formation, you know, and some Catholic school thrown in there, Leif. So you, you definitely learn some discipline there as well. Well, as, as a graduate of uh, Catholic high school, I can, I can, uh, I can certainly, uh, empathize there. It was a great, great program for me. I didn't, I didn't realize about your figure skater background though. That's, yeah. uh, that's very cool. Yeah. And I, I love the idea of like that message from your coach of like a, a poor athlete bl blames the equipment. You know, Jock and I often say that we didn't have anything new. You know, this is everybody is eventually going to know what learn what works and what doesn't work through experience and trial and error. And I think that, uh, you know, even if you're not using the term extreme ownership, that's 100 percent right. I mean, and when you realize, like, hey, people are just as long as you're going to cast blame, as long as you're going to make excuses, you're never going to actually take ownership of those problems, implement a solution to get those problems solved. And I think it applies everywhere. You know, that's why we say, you know, the, really, the two measures that matter, effective and ineffective. So I think that's that's a great example of that. You're so right, though, about you're going to figure these things out. And, and you will if you're dedicated to your craft. That being said, it's kind of, you know, the, the lessons of extreme ownership, the things we talk about on the academy, it's kind of like the difference between your car having a GPS or not. So, you know, I don't... I'm not sure if you started driving when there were no GPSs, right? Definitely. But if, if, if you think about like driving and the equivalent of the path of leadership, yeah, you're gonna, you know, back in the day, no GPS, you could wind up at the wrong destination and you'd turn around, right? And you'd say, okay, maybe I need to pull over and pull out a map. And ultimately you get there, maybe you're late, maybe you're ha you know, haggard by the time you get there. And, and now with GPS in your car, the minute you make a wrong turn, it says rerouting. And I think about that sometimes with, with you know, the path of leadership. It's like, if you're going in the wrong direction, wouldn't you rather 
here rerouting right at the beginning before you get all the way to the wrong destination. And, and that's, that's using the tools that, that the Echelon Front team teaches. It is your personal GPS to say, hey, rerouting, like that is the wrong, you're going in the wrong direction. You have to be open to receiving that message. You know, if, if your GPS in your car says rerouting and you turn it off, well then, you know, you're, you're gonna wind up at the wrong destination. So you have to be humble. You have to check your ego and say, I am going in the wrong direction. And these people are willing to tell me and they are willing to help me get back on the path. So that's, that's another one of the real benefits of, of, of what your, your company offers to all of us. Well, as I said, we're learning from you as well. And, and I think that's, that's what's so awesome to me is, it's the, you know, the affirmation of like, this stuff actually works. I mean, I, you know, we, we got a chance when, we, we, when Jocko and I were both running training in the SEAL teams, you know, we talked about that. That was the most incredible leadership laboratory to see different leaders to, to, to come through the same training and to see who actually succeeded and who failed. You're, and you're talking about putting them under very high pressure, difficult situations, you know, that's outside of their comfort zone. And, and you can see, you can clearly see what works and what doesn't work. And, and, and so I think that's, that's what I love at Echelon Front is, is getting a chance to see that now is, you know, now in, in the civilian world, outside of the military, we have the best leadership laboratory in the world because we get to see this all over the place all the time. And one of the things that I love most about it is, everybody thinks their problems are unique. You know, I think that's probably the biggest excuse that any of us give ourselves, right? Well, it's harder for me than it is for other people, you know, and right. my problems are unique and well, that maybe doesn't apply here. And, and when you realize, hey, everybody else has the same problems and yet they're figuring yeah. out a way to, to, to implement solutions, uh, it opens yeah. your mind, definitely. We're, right, we're all athletes blaming our equipment at the end of the day. And, and the minute you start opening your eyes to that and saying, it's probably not the fault of the ice. It's probably not the fault of the laces in my skates. It's probably something I'm doing wrong. So let's let's figure that out and let's fix it and let's let's face it, right? That's that I think that's a hard thing for a lot of people to really face the fact that, you know, maybe they're not living up to their best potential. That that there's so much more. And and that's the other thing about extreme ownership in the academy is that it um it teaches the framework, the structure and the vernacular for all of us to, to, be, um, to be able to communicate in, in a language that we can all understand. And I'll, I'll give you an example. So if you have an employee, for instance, that is, is not good at making decisions, right? And you could bring them in and just say, hey, you really get stuck making decisions. You gotta make decisions. Okay, or you could bring that person in and say, Hey, I want to teach you the OODA loop. I want, I want to talk to you about this, this tool. And, and I've noticed that a lot of times you're really good at observe and orient, but then you get stuck right here. So, so let's talk about how, how we can get you to move through this OODA loop. And that sort of vernacular and being able to talk to someone, it, it, it changes the whole conversation from being accusatory, direct, and confrontational to, to being an indirect you know, this is, it's really not, it's something that I can teach you. This, this is something you can get better at. It's not a personality flaw that you have. It's just a tool that you don't have in your toolbox. So let me give you some more tools for your toolbox. So that's, that's another thing that I think about a lot with, with what we learn. That's outstanding. 
Talk, talk to me, Sarah, about, about how you got to where you are today in your professional career. I mean, there's a lot of people that have tremendous experience in the accounting world, but they don't ever make it to the CFO position. You know, what, what are the things that you have uh, have enabled you to get promoted up the chain to be in a, in a significant leadership position like that? So my accounting career, finance career, is, is somewhat very typical of someone who studies accounting, graduates with an accounting degree. I'm still a licensed CPA. Um, I keep, I keep that license active. I did all the work to get it. I'm, I'm holding on to it. And, um, if, if you were to look at my resume, it's, it's kind of a very standard progressive, uh, career path for accountants. That being said, this is, there was definitely a point in my career where I really recognized that something I had held on to pretty tightly for a long period of time was in fact not true, which is, probably the first maybe 10 years or so of my career, I'm, I'm in accounting, I'm in the finance department, maybe I'm overseeing some other kind of back office functions. But what I am not is I am not in sales. I'm not in sales. Like I don't, I don't need to know about the product. I don't really need to know um, about what's going on in the sales department. I just, you know, except for reporting the numbers. And then all of a sudden I realized that is not true. If you really want to take your job and turn it into a career and really take, take yourself to the full potential of what you can do in, in your career is you really have to understand all aspects of your business. Um, and that includes sales. So I don't have a natural, that doesn't come to me naturally. It's something that I recognized was missing in my toolbox better understanding the products that we sell, better understanding how we go to market, better understanding how a customer uses our products, understanding what challenges they might have. And is that challenge actually an opportunity? You know, if, if a customer says, hey, this, this is not compatible with this other thing. All right. That, I could look at that and say, that's a problem. Or I could say, all right, how do we source and sell the product that bridges those two things? So that that's one tip I would give to anyone out there that kind of likes to put up a wall between I'm in this department and you're in that department. Um, that might be true early in your career as you're as you're getting in just some experience in what your job is. But to get to the CFO level, you really have to understand sales, the product and the customer. I think what's really cool about that is. You know, we often say that the opposite of cover and move, you know, our first law of combat, cover and move, the team actually working together, putting the, the team and the mission first. And, and I summarize cover and move by saying it's not about you, it's about the mission. But, but the opposite of cover and move is that's not my job. And I think when people see that as like, I'm in a silent organization, I don't do that. You know, what enabled us to be successful on the battlefield was going and building relationships with the Marines and the soldiers who had a very different job than we did, but learning about what they, I was never gonna actually drive tanks, you know, in, in combat or, or manipulate a, a main gun, you know, on an M1 Abrams tank, but, but I needed to understand how those things work so that I could better support them, so that they could better support us, and under, I could better understand how to utilize them. And I think that, you know, when you just kind of open your mind up, or it's, it's not just about me, it's about all of us being successful here, uh, and so the more that I can understand and know about what people do, I can work to help them and, uh, and I can utilize them uh, to, to, so that we can all be successful. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that takes some time to, to get to that, that realization. And also when you get to the CFO level, level is, you know, 
you're in sales for yourself. You represent your company, right? So when I'm out talking, you know, to a group of people or a industry conference or anything, I'm, I'm selling us, right? What we, what we could do for the customers. So you're still, you're in a sales role, even though I don't actually go out and, you know, try, try to sell the product and try to get a signature on the bottom line of the contract. I'm still in sales. <laughs> That's outstanding. So I know the, the first time that I remember interaction with you was via Twitter. And I had just, I, I had launched a Twitter account um, shortly before uh, we published Extreme Ownership in October of 2015. And I, I, Jocko at that point was viciously opposed to all social media. I think my wife, Jenna, and our now Chief Operating Officer, Jamie Cochran, had, had duly created uh, his Twitter and, and Instagram accounts, uh, unbeknownst to him at the time, because he was so vehemently against it. But I remember interacting with you on Twitter and how you were promoting, you know, extreme ownership. You were talking about uh, extreme ownership and how this stuff was implemented in your world. You were sharing it with other people. Um, and that was, that was a really cool thing, you know, to be able to interact with you. But I'd love to know, like, where, where did you first encounter extreme ownership? Where did you first hear about, you know, what we do at Echelon Front? Uh, do you remember the first moment that happened? I do. I'm a little bit of a podcast junkie. And um, my husband was training for a half marathon. I'm not a runner but I do like to go walking every day. So we had, we had gone out. I said, you run, I'm going to listen to a podcast. And it was the Tim Ferriss podcast with Jocko. And, you know, I'm scrolling through and I thought, oh, this, this looks like, this looks interesting. And I'm certainly very open to this, that sort of message with, you know, my parents for years, you know, teaching me discipline and, um, I'm very patriotic and, you know, I'm, I love our military. So I thought, okay, this will be, this will be interesting. Well, I listened to the whole thing and I, my husband set me up with a Twitter account so that I could, I could um, send Jocko a note. And I just said, this is an important message that people need to hear, you know, thank you. And, and that's really what it is. I've never been someone to uh, uh, join master classes or do anything like that. I mean, I was, I was working, I was raising children. Um, so I've always been very busy. And so hearing that message though, I was like, this, this is very important for our youth, for people that, that want to live their lives to their fullest potential. And so that's uh, the message just really, really resonated with me, um, deeply. And so I've, I've kind of been around since that time, um, you know, listening and learning. What was, what, what message in particular resonated with you from that initial podcast? Discipline, discipline equals freedom. It's that simple, you know, it's, it's, um, it, it's, there's, there's a Bible verse, you know, um, the truth shall set you free, right? The sentence before it though is, but it's going to, it's going to be hard, right? So like discipline equals freedom equals truth. Like the, the real truth, the things that really matter at the end of the day, you know, as, as I've gotten older, it's very easy to start, um, cutting things out of your life that really aren't that important, um, material things, just things that aren't that important, maybe people that aren't um, helping you achieve your, your goals and your mission. Um, and so I think that message just really resonated with me, being a wife, being a mother, being a friend, being a volunteer, being an employer, being an employee, all, all of it, it applies to everything, I think is, is it in a nutshell? Yeah, that, that Bible verse is that people are so familiar. In fact, some people don't even know that's a Bible verse, right? The truth will set you free. Yeah. 
But I, I, I believe the exact, well, the exact verse I believe or or, or to quote it is, is if you're truly my disciples, then you will keep my commandments. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so, uh, which is, which is exactly what you're talking about. It's going to take tremendous discipline to, to keep the commandments. uh, And without discipline, you're not going to be successful. So, um, but that's everything, right? If, if you go to the gym and do burpees, you'll get stronger. But the burpees aren't easy. You know, if if you go to leadership training, you're going to become a better leadership. But you might learn some hard things about yourself in the meantime that you got to fix. That's okay. We're all works in progress. There's nothing wrong with that. I, and I think for that discipline, though, that's one thing that, that you know, I love about you. Like you've, every time we log in, you know, we usually do that three times a week on Extreme Ownership Academy with those, those live Zoom calls where we're putting out some information and we open it up for questions. And you're, you're, you're on, I mean, almost every single time, like you're, you're on those things, um, with very discipline. And I know it's late for you when you're in London and it's, it's, it's late evening. I'm sure you could, you could be going out to dinner. You could be doing other things, you know, um, or I could be watching television or I could be scrolling social media. And that's, that's the important thing. It's an investment in myself. And that's so important to me. And like I said, now I've put in two full-time months of, you know, 40 out two, two months of 40 hour weeks over the course of two years, becoming a better leader. It, it adds up. It's a whole bunch of reps that, that I have that I wouldn't have had if, if you hadn't, you know, produced this product for us. I'm so I, thankful. Well, I, we're thankful for you. And, and I think that uh, that's such valuable perspective because I think a lot of people think of leadership as like, well, either you, you know it or you don't, you know. You either have it or you don't. You're born with it or you're not. And I think we know that leadership's a skill, you know, and it's a skill that you have to, you have to learn on and, 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 and you have to learn and work on and develop all the time. And I think some people, even if they realize it's a skill, you know, they think, oh, I can just read a, I can read a book and I'm, now I'm good to go. I can listen to a seminar or workshop. Now I'm good to go. I can sit in a keynote presentation. Now I'm good to go. And, you know, I can come to a muster. You know, now I'm good to go. And, and, you know, instead of the recognition of you have to work on it all the time, it's a skill, uh, but it, you're either going to improve that skill by working on it with discipline um, and just like working out, you're not going to show up to the gym one time and be in the best shape of your life. It's going to take weeks and months and years of doing that consistently three or four or five days a week in order to be in, in really good shape and maintain that. And the moment that you stop going to the gym, you know, uh, for several weeks, now all of a sudden you're going to dig yourself out of that hole uh, as well. And so I think that's the other thing about leadership being a skill is it's, it's, it's perishable. And if you're not thinking about it all the time, then you're, you're not developing, you're not growing, you're not improving. Yep. And, and what you didn't mention is you can also plateau, right? So it's not just always about up or down, you know, the, the real grind is if you have a plateau and you, and you're, you're trying and you're trying and things don't seem to be working and you have to keep reaching in and grabbing tools from the toolbox. And maybe you're just, maybe you just miss, you just don't have that one tool. You say, I know I need a screwdriver to fix this problem, but I don't have a Phillips head right? It's, and that's the kind of thing we're learning every week. It's like the discussion, as I said about, I explained the why. Okay. So that was your screwdriver. I explained the why that was the tool I used. And you're like, yeah, but it's a little bit different. It's a little different. So let's talk about, let's talk about that. And this is why you need the Phillips head. You need to explain their why, because that's what matters to them. You explaining your why or the company's why, or, or the team's why, helpful, but it might not elicit the response that you want. It might not, it might not 
um, compel that person to take the action that you want them to do. You have to, as you guys always say, build relationships, right? And if you really do a good job building relationships with people, you know their why. You, you know what will get them to take action. And it usually comes down to something that's good for them and their families, right? So, so whatever it is that you're trying to do, you have to figure out um, from an honest you know, direction, how can I communicate this so that this person understands that if, if everybody works the extra shift, it's not just that the company can ship our product on time and we're gonna, we're gonna make money. It's that, oh, when, when the company makes money, we can fully fund the annual employee bonus program, which means that everyone here that puts in a little bit of extra time now will make their full bonus, or maybe they'll get 110% of their bonus at the end of the year, which means that they can have a nice Christmas with their family. Um, so, so that sort of thing, you have to take it, take it a little bit deeper most of the time. And I love the fact that we talk about those things, you know, with these real life situations. And a lot of times it's, hey, listen, tomorrow I have to have a difficult conversation and here's what has been going on. And what sort of advice do you have for me so that I can help this person and also get them to do the thing that the team needs them to do? And so that's, that's, the, that's the hard thing when you plateau as a leader and you're just kind of throwing tools at, at a problem and you just really have to get some advice. Yeah, I think that's, that's such great perspective, Sarah. And, and I, you know, what I love about that is, is, you know, what Jocko and I got asked shortly after we wrote Extreme Ownership, someone asked us a question like, when were you at your best? Which I thought was a very puzzling question, you know? And maybe they thought it from a, hey, look, I've never been in better shape than when I graduated BUDS in our basic SEAL training program. You know, that's like, it's, it, that's hard to replicate, you know, to that level of, of physicality. I probably won't ever yeah. achieve that again as a 46 year old. Um, but, but the idea that like, when am I at my best? Like, I'm, I'm never at my best. I'm, I'm always trying to learn. I'm always trying to get better all the time. You know, and I think it's only when you feel like you've got it all figured out, you know, that, uh, that, that, that you, you know, you, when you get there and your vision going to encounter something, you know, as, as we said, be, be humble or get humbled. I mean, that's the biggest lesson that I probably learned through my ex combat experiences is, is it was incredibly humbling. Uh, the things that I thought I was prepared for that I thought we were totally good to go on. And I realized just how hard combat actually was. And so how much more preparation we needed to do, which is why, you know, when, as Jocko and I came back and ran training, we, we really implemented that for the next generation of leaders. And, and what I love about, you know, what we do now at National Front is that you get to interact with so many leaders and you, we see the, the, the people that are encountering an issue and they, they're, they're trying to use the tool that we talked about, extreme ownership or explain the why. But what I love about the Academy and those live sessions is being able to refine that so that we can really understand the problem. Because at the end of the day, there's what works and there's what doesn't work. And, and we can help them solve that effectively. And you do an amazing job of, of even just replying to people's questions in the chat and then, and then in person actually uh, giving people some insight that I think can, can make those fine, you know, really fine adjustments to the tool that people are using so that they can actually get those problems solved. Well, it's, it's also certainly a lot of fun. I mean, that's, that's the other thing about the Academy is that, you know, we, it, it's a great group of people. And I would say, you know, I'm going to use the phrase like-minded thinkers, but not, not that we think alike in, in our beliefs or anything like that. We, what we are like-minded about is that we, we realize that leadership is a skill that can be taught. We are 
all there giving our best selves to, to try to help each other, right? And to provide advice and to really get as far as we can get on the, on the path of leadership. So that's the really nice thing. It's such a diverse group. I mean, it's, it's just great to see how many different people are on there. You've got CEOs, you've got solo entrepreneurs on there, men, women, people at all different phases of their career, some young folks, some older folks, you know, it's, it's just such a diverse group of people from all different industries. It's, it's really quite something that you've put together. And we've got a unique group of people from around the world as well, you know, that, that are on from Asia or the Middle East or Africa or Europe or, I mean, it, it's, it's, we've got people in Australia that are waking up at, you know, four o'clock in the morning to be on those calls, um, you know, and then people that are super late, you know, in Europe or, uh, or Asia as well to be, you know, be a part of the, the live sessions as well. Um, I, I, w the reward for me, what I love most is when, the, the real the real reward for me is is when I see those those situation reports that you're talking about a sit rep as we would call it in the in the military would just stand for situation report and when someone's posting hey this problem that we talked about two weeks ago I implemented the solution you know we made the adjustments I was having some issues with it and now uh, we got this problem solved I'm able to build better relationships I'm able to move forward and be successful I'm able to get the team on board with this new new direction or strategy I'm able to get the resources vector that we needed. Uh, you know, to to actually, you know, open up the, these opportunities and move in the right direction, you know, for our team to be successful. Uh, and that's where that, you know, when that this stuff works, uh, hashtag is used um, in the Zoom chat. It's just phenomenal to see because it's it's very rewarding to see how so many different leaders and so many different walks of life are implementing that stuff and making a difference. It's It's awesome. My favorites are always the ones where someone says, you know, I did this and I need to fix this problem. They get the advice that they need and they come back with their situation report and they say, you know, I took accountability. I said, I was sorry and that it was my fault. And here's what I was going to, here's what I'm going to do to fix it. And nobody thought less of me. And they're always surprised that saying, you know what, I, I, I messed up here. This was my fault and I'm going to fix this. And I, it's just so great to see people realize that, Hey, we all make mistakes. And, and, but we also know when someone's blaming something that's probably really that person's fault actually, and they're blaming something else. So I, I just love those in particular where, where they, they suddenly, their eyes are fully open to the fact that extreme ownership works and saying, I can do better. I made that mistake and I'm going to fix it. And it's not going to happen again. And they're, they're just always so, I love the fact that they're just so surprised like it works. This stuff works. I'm like, yeah, it does. It does. We're all human. We all make mistakes. You just own it and you fix it and you move forward. That's all. It's awesome to see that stuff. And, and I think, you know, people, it's a constant struggle though. You know, Jamie talks about the barriers to extreme ownership and, and how, you know, people are so scared that they'll lose respect for me. You know, if, uh, if I take ownership, and then when you ask them the question, okay, well, who do you have more respect for? The, someone, the person who's casting blame and making excuses and saying it wasn't their fault or the person who actually takes ownership of that problem and, and is, you know, and explains the solution they're going to implement going forward. Um, and of course, everyone knows that you gain respect for the, the person that actually takes ownership. Um, that to me, even, even trust, right? You can build trust. That's always a perplexing one to people. This bad thing happened, 
But if I take ownership of this and, and, and explain the solution that we're implementing going forward to make sure it doesn't happen again, I can actually build trust with the people around me. I can build trust with my boss. I can build trust with a, a client or a customer. I can build trust with my team because they know that we're going to get that problem solved going forward. The concept of leadership capital is something that we talk about a lot. And I, I really like the way that has been um, and described in that, you know, it's almost like a bank account. You know, you're making, as you build relationships, you're constantly putting deposits into your leadership capital account. And then, you know, when, when, you, do, when you do something that's not great as a leader, that takes a little bit out. If you don't communicate a change in someone's benefits, if you don't do a good job explaining what post-merger something's gonna look like for your employees, right? Those are, those are the withdrawals from your leadership capital account. And I think that is so helpful, especially for young leaders to start almost visualizing it that way that I'm, I'm putting deposits, deposits, deposits. And even if something goes wrong, it's not necessarily a withdrawal from your leadership capital account. As you just said, you know, if, if something's not going right as the leader and you say, guys, I messed that up. I'm sorry. You did send that email. I missed it. That was my mistake. I'm sorry. I asked for that again. Um, that's not necessarily withdrawal. They'll say, oh, you know, don't worry about it. I know you get 300 emails a day. It's easy to miss stuff. Um, but I, I do just love that concept. And um, we were talking about that one day and, and someone said, well, how, how do you know your balance in your account? You know, like in your bank account, you can look and say, okay, I've got $100 or, oh, I, I bounced a check or, you know. I said, well, the way I like to think about it is, is caller ID. I said, so if... If someone calls you and their name pops up on your cell phone, how do you feel about taking that person's call? Are you like, oh, not him, send a voicemail, you know? Or you're like, oh, cool, Leif's calling. This is awesome, right? That's, that's how you can tell your balance. Are you in the positive or are you in the negative? Are you making deposits? Are you making withdrawals? Is that per, are you, if you're constantly being sent a voicemail by people, you might want to reassess how you're treating your, your, uh, your team. You said that a while back uh, on, a, on a live session, and uh, I was, it was very humbling for me to think about. It. I'm like, oh, interesting. <laughs> I need to think about that because uh, it is, it, you know, that, that's something you've got to think about. You've got to, um, you know, I have a chance. I, I love to talk to people. I love to ask, ask how people's families are doing and, you know, catch up with people. And even I know people on my team are busy. So I need, I need it helped me think like, okay, you know, I need to be a little more efficient with my time when I talk to people. So I'm not tying up people that are trying to do 35 things and get that done. And I'm not tying up a bunch of their time, you know, with kind of needless small talk, um, which doesn't mean that, you know, we, it's great to build relationships with people. It's great to ask about their families, but just to be yeah. conscious of their time um, is uh, is really important for sure. So it was, uh, that was a great perspective. Very humbling for me to, uh, you know, to, to consider uh, that as well when you share it. I won't it. send you to voicemail, I promise. <laughs> well, right. So then as a leader, right? So if we, if we discuss that on the academy, right, we would, we would get some feedback in the chat that would say, hey, next time you call, just start the conversation with, hey, how much time do you have to talk? And if they say, listen, I'm, I'm swamped today. I got two minutes. And then you say, all right, I'm just hitting you with, with what I need. And if they say, oh, I'm not busy at all. That's actually a great day. I'm actually out taking a walk. So what's up, right? So, so those are the kinds of things where we really dig in when someone says, you know, I'm challenged when, you know, I feel like sometimes people, like I talk too much or whatever. And then you say, all right, well, here's how to fix it. Here's the tool for your tool, for your toolkit here. I got one for you. 
So that's the fun. That's really the fun thing about it is that there's always someone because you're coming at it from a detached perspective. I'm not the one that feels that way. So it's easy for me to just kind of say, okay, well, here's something you could try. And if it doesn't work, we'll try something different, right? But here's something you can try the next time and, and report back with a sit rep. And that's what's so much fun about the whole, the whole interaction. That perspective is so valuable too. Uh, seeing it from, you know, from, from others perspective, what they're thinking, you know, and, and also from extreme ownership, right? You can also, you could take ownership of that situation. If you're calling me and I've got a, a, a I've got a call that I'm about to, uh, I got to jump on a zoom call with a client, you know, 10 minutes from now, then I need to say, hey, listen, Sarah, I got eight minutes. Uh, you know, what do you got? So, so right out the bat, you don't think I'm being rude when I have to cut you off, you know, eight minutes from now. Um, and I think right. that's something that uh, is very valuable that some of us fail to do that because you feel like, uh, you know, hey, you, you don't actually know what my schedule is. Um, and, and so I can't assume that you do. And I need to be open about that. And that's, that's something that, uh, you know, you can take ownership of uh, as well, I think, to help solve some of those problems. That's a great point. There you go, right? So, so these are the types of things we do on a weekly basis. We have these interactions that are so much fun. I say, yeah, that's a great point. I hadn't thought about that. I'm the one that should say, hey, I'm, you know, I would love to chit chat because I'm out taking a walk. It's my lunchtime and it's a great time for us to catch up or not. <laughs> Absolutely. So talk to me about, you know, you talked about the investment in yourself, you know, and how that's paid some dividends. You talked about it on the, you know, both professionally and personally. Can you talk about where you've seen in your life the impact of extreme ownership and the laws of combat, the leadership principles that we teach at Echelon Front? Absolutely. Um, you know, there's, there's certainly a few, few tools that I pull out of the toolkit a lot, right? There's, there's some that I use occasionally and some that I use daily. And um, I, I find that all the tools have been helpful in all aspects of my life. My relationship with my children, um, they're both in graduated, they're out in the working world. So I'm able to use a lot of what we talk about in extreme ownership to help them in their career, you know, challenges that they're having. As a matter of fact, just yesterday, my daughter was explaining the situation and I used the famous Leif Babin quote. I said, just try to focus on what winning looks like here. What if you're going to have a conversation with your boss, um, first of all, does it have to happen today? As I said earlier, I'm a big fan of timing. I said, is today the day? Because you seem a little wound up. So maybe tomorrow, tomorrow might be better. And, and really focus on what winning is going to look like. And, you know, she called me back a day later and she was like, that was so helpful. I was a little spun up, right? So it, it has certainly helped me with, with coaching my children, my relationship with them, um, I'm really fortunate. My husband's just a, a great guy. He's also completely bought into extreme ownership. I've, I've told you before, a lot of the reason that I'm currently living in London is because my husband um, at his company, he rolled out extreme ownership to his team. Um, it was incredibly well received. And uh, he was actually recognized as his company's outstanding leader of the year. Uh, he got an award for that. And through that, he was recognized as someone that really should be doing other things for the company. And before you know it, I'm living in London for a few years. So, you know, I'm very fortunate that he's also a student of extreme ownership, and that's certainly quite helpful. But um, it's helped me personally quite a bit. And like, I'll give you a quick example. When we first moved here to London, as people may know, cars come from the other direction. 
And it's very scary to me, especially when we first moved here. There's something about the timing of crossing the street, you know, so muscle memory, I've always looked the same way to cross the street, but my husband's very comfortable with it. And, and a lot of times he goes and I'm like, nope, I'm not, I'm going to stand here. So we're literally on the two separate sidewalks. Right. And I'm looking at him like, what, what, you know, that's how you get killed. That's how you get killed. You move to a foreign country and get killed. And after a while, and I kept saying like, you should not have crossed. You're going to get hit by a car. And then one day I realized I'm not taking any ownership of my feelings here. And I said to him, when you do that, I get really scared. I get, I get really frightened. Cause he would be like, I'm not going to get hit. I know how to cross the street. I'm 52. I, I'm good. I'm not, I'm not, I have no issue with the cars. And I realized I'm not, I, I'm, it's me. It's not him. It has nothing to do with his ability to cross the street. It has the, it has to do with the, the fact that it really frightens me because I, I don't feel capable yet of doing it. And I mean, I know how to cross the street, but it, it is a little disconcerting at first because cars seem to come from everywhere. But that sort of thing to just be like, oh, for me to recognize that it's not him, he's not making a mistake. I, I'm not owning my own feelings about this has been really wonderful. And there, there's been other times where I've come down and just been kind of like off. And I'll say, you know what? I'm, I got to go upstairs and get myself sorted. I'm going to come down and I'm going to try this again because I'm not taking ownership of anything that's going on here right now. And clearly I'm not in the right headspace. So personally, it's, it's made a lot of difference as well. And, um, you know, certainly at work, um, and it's been wonderful because a few of my coworkers have attended the women's assembly. So um, it's, it's been great that Jamie has started this program, which is the um, essentially Extreme Ownership Academy, which is a, a women's assembly. And some of the women have joined in on those as well. And so now we also have more vernacular to share and talk about things like decision-making and prioritize and execute. So, you know, just really across the board, it's been very additive to my life. That's awesome to hear. I, there were a number of ladies that were at, uh, at our last muster who were there as a direct result of the Women's Assembly. And, you know, hearing yeah, Jamie and hearing yeah, you nice. and all those, you know, those leadership lessons that are being, uh, being learned. And I think they would have looked at, at me and Jocko and said, hey, these guys are meatheads and they're seals. How does that really apply to me? And so, you know, I, I think that's such an amazing thing to reach you know, a whole a whole group of of lady leaders out there, female leaders that are actually making a difference, implementing this stuff, um, and and leading and being successful in what they're doing. I, you know, what you're talking about on the home front is is so important too. Because and by the way, having walked around in you know in in places like England and Japan, and other places where they drive you know on the on the opposite side of the road, it, we're we're pre-programmed to look left, but before you step off the sidewalk, and and so when you don't do that. When you do that, like you do in America, you're going to get mowed over. And I've had a couple of close calls, so I know exactly what you're talking about um, yeah. there. But I think taking ownership of, hey, your husband isn't a mind reader. You know, he, he doesn't understand how much of a concern this is to you. Um, and that's such a hard thing to do because when it comes to our kids, when it comes to, um, you know, our, our spouse, when it comes to our siblings or our parents, you know, the people that we're closest to, um, it's it's we have this emotion, this deep emotional connection with, it's so much harder to detach emotionally from those situations. And yet it's also most important because these are the people that matter most in our lives. 
and and it's 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 you have to be able to learn to do that and it's it's a hard it's a hard thing for me it's a hard thing for so many people to do but it's it's a really valuable point i think to to share with people yeah and and i think we we can exacerbate it by thinking like well if you really loved me you'd know what i was thinking well that's not fair right and yet there's there's often kind of that underlying current it's like I'm definitely not a mind reader. Sure, I know how you like your coffee. Sure, I know most everything about you. But you know, maybe maybe today you feel a little bit differently about something, and um, and that's why it's just so important. No, we are not mind readers. I actually tell, I give that sort of feedback to people a lot that they just assume that someone else is thinking a certain way. They have an opinion about you, whatever it is. And it's like, no, you just, you really have to communicate. You have to talk effectively. So you're, you're right. I mean, it's all the stuff we accomplish at work, uh, you know, is, is wonderful and very additive to our lives. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's really your family, your close friends, your community, right? Bloom where you're planted. I'm currently planted here. I can take care of, you know, I can take care of what's right outside here. I can take care of my family and, you know, when you, when you said just a little bit ago, the, the question of, you know, what was it, when, when were you at your best? Right. Right. I, I became at my best when I realized that my children love each other, each other, right. That to me was a, a big transition point in my life because we are all going to die one day and, and, and that'll be the end of me. But knowing that I've created a life for my kids and each other and their relationship that they will be there for each other after I'm gone. That was the moment that I realized I was at my best leading them, leading my family and teaching them all the things that I can. So that's, that's the, that's really winning. That's a great uh, strategic perspective of what winning looks like. And uh, I know you've got some great kids. I haven't, haven't had the pleasure of meeting your daughter, but I certainly met your your, your son Stephen that you brought to uh, to muster with you. Uh, I was did. That DC? It was wonderful, yeah. DC, and and it was the timing was perfect. So it, he was a rising senior in in college at the time, and so he's a junior, and he he was he's always gotten this sort of message from me and my husband his whole life, but suddenly to hear it from someone else to, to, you know, all the, the GI Joe's up on stage at the time, right. Telling him the same thing that mom and dad have taught him for 18 years, 19 years at that point, it was so effective. It was just great. And yeah, I mean, they're, they're really thriving and they are certainly also students of extreme ownership and, um, I do dial back at times about, you know, Jocko says, Leif says, whatever. So I'll just, I'll just, you, you always, you always get credit, but it's, it's, uh, you know, what, what does winning look like here? Right. So it, it really gets them in the same sort of mindset of being able to detach from their problems and, and realize that the emotionally satisfying outburst is never helpful it's never going to move the needle on improving a situation. And, and those are the types of things that through extreme ownership, we can, we can teach our children. And that's, that's the ultimate end game. Well, the real, the real credit to, to us, you know, and the real measure of our effectiveness, you know, we, we've always said is, 
is when, when people are doing this stuff themselves and they're not really even thinking about where it came from. Maybe they don't even remember. So I don't certainly need any credit for that. I, I, I learned that from others, you know, and it's, it's, but I think, you know, the lesson you shared with your daughter about how, how not, you know, having her detach and think strategically about what winning looks like before she goes in and has what could potentially be an emotional conversation with the boss and, right. and burn some bridges. You know, you don't want to have to learn those lessons firsthand through experience that, that, hey, that's not a good thing to do. That's not going to help me in the long run. So, you know, it's, that's a testament to, to your leadership as, as a mom, Sarah, that uh, you've raised great kids and the, the fact that they're willing to listen and learn from you. Uh, and you're taking that indirect approach as well, because yeah. I, I think when people start to bash folks over the head with Jocko said this or Leif said that or here's what I read here, or, here's what I learned on the podcast, that turns some people off. And uh, and it's you can certainly get a little too aggressive with that and cause some issues. And and our goal is that you take these things and share them with people so that it's effective and you do an amazing job of that. You have to meet people where they are. You, you really do. It's it's very, very difficult for to to get someone to do something that you want them to do if they don't and so you have to meet them where they are and that might mean just giving them a a, a little a little bit or or really just modeling the behavior yourself and ultimately someone says like that person seems to have things going in the right direction i wonder what they're doing i could talk with them about that um, and you could just say, Hey, you know, here, here's a book. Why don't you know, you want to read it. You want to talk about it. Maybe you don't want to read the book and I'll just kind of go over a few of the things with you. Um, you know, you, you want to join me for one of the Academy and see what it's all about and see if that's something you're interested in joining. There's, there's lots of ways to meet people where they are. Um, and, and bashing them over the head with extreme ownership is often not the right approach. That direct approach as we talked about is, is, uh, using yeah. the wrong approach you know, uh, it, are there are there things that um, are are there are there imp- leadership principles that you've tried to implement that have been unsuccessful, or you had to make adjustments on, or you had to back off, or or uh, take a take a more indirect approach on? Uh, can you? Is there anything that comes to mind? N- nothing right away. The, um, the I want to clarify something about direct and indirect. Is that um, I'm often very direct in my choice of words. That's not what we mean when we're talking about direct and indirect. The direct approach uh, that we talk about a lot of times is that confrontational approach of like, hey, you're not good at making decisions, right? That's, you're, you immediately put people back on their, you know, on their heels when you, when you go direct at people that way. And the indirect approach being, hey, I'd like to help you uh, because I, I want I want to teach you this OODA loop skill because it really helped me because I often found myself not being able to to take action. I got stuck on that part of the OODA loop. So let me let me explain that to you. And that's the indirect approach that we're talking about. And that takes time because a lot of times people confuse direct as um, I'm very direct because I'm very clear. I'm telling you what's on my mind. You don't have to guess what I'm thinking. Uh, okay. You know, like you're, you're really coming at me with that is, is how people can take that a lot of times. Um, and so you want to be clear and precise with your language. You want to, you want to directly pick the words and not, and not confuse people about what the outcome that you, you need but you have to do it in a way that gets buy-in. And that's the big difference. How, how to approach someone so that you get their buy-in to what ultimately needs to be accomplished. 
You've asked some great questions around, you know, this for some clarification on our extreme ownership live sessions, you know, on the academy. And I think those are, it's it's a it's something that needs clarification because people think they think of direct as like, well, I told the truth, and that's great, uh, and and yet, you know, as Jaco says, what good is the truth if nobody's willing to listen? And and I think you know I can bash you over the head with the truth to say, hey, you're not good at doing this, or hey, you screwed this thing up. You know, and, and, and all that's going to do is make you defensive, you know, create a, a rift in our relationship, you know, cause issues. Whereas, you know, the indirect approach, then people think of that as like, well, you're not telling the truth. You're not actually being truthful to people. And that's not what we mean at all by that. We mean, you know, and you, you're, I think the terms you use for this was, you know, direct means confrontational. That's how we're using it, right? So if I'm confrontational with you, we're causing frictions, you know, where, where it's me versus you. That's not going to be good for anyone. We can't move forward together uh, and mutually support each other to accomplish our mission and win. That's going to cause all kinds of problems. So that's that's almost never the right approach to take. Um, and then, you know, the, the indirect approach is instead of not being, we, we don't mean not being truthful. We just mean, you know, you, I think the word you used was inquisitive or asking, you know, asking right. questions. We always talk about asking earnest questions, which is a question that I really actually want the answers to. And you gave an example of, you know, using a question that I've often asked, which is, what is winning looks like? What, what does winning look like in this situation? And what you're doing is letting someone reveal the truth to themselves rather than like you coming at them with a cold, hard truth as, as if it's like a hammer that you can hit them over the head with. And, uh, and yeah. so when, when, you, when you ask a question where people are revealing the truth to themselves, you know, you're just trying to shine a mirror back at them so they can kind of see what that looks like for themselves. And, you know, and so for your daughter to realize, what, what does winning look like? Well, it's not going in and having a confrontation with the boss. That's for sure not going to help me out. So let's think what we actually want to do. We want to build a better relationship. Okay, how do we do that? We need to de-escalate, you know, uh, and here's a better approach maybe to take. And I think, you know, asking those questions, it leads you to the better outcome. Uh, and that's oftentimes, you know, people go direct because they think that's more efficient. And yet it's far less efficient because I have to dig myself out of a hole, do a bunch of damage control to rebuild our relationship. Whereas uh, if I take the indirect method, ask the questions, you come to the conclusion yourself, then it's your plan. You got ownership of that plan and you can go implement the solution, you know, to get that done uh, and make the changes necessary to be successful. So um, I think how you define that, you know, is, is, a, is a great way of by direct. What we mean is, is confrontational. That's not a good call. You know, indirect, we mean by being inquisitive, asking earnest questions so that people can reveal the truth to themselves. Yeah, and, and tying it all back, um, you know, with the leadership capital discussion, you, you almost have to envision every time you bang one of your employees with, you know, the hammer of truth, that's a withdrawal from your leadership capital account. It's a, you, you should almost hear that like ching, ching, ching as, as, as you're spending all of your leadership capital when you do that to one of your people. And how would you like that? I mean, that's, I think that's, as you start to grow in your leadership journey, when you think about how you're treating people, it really is, you know, would, would I want someone to talk to me that way? Or, or would it be better for them to mentor me, to help me, to give me a tool to use? And that's, that's really the approach that um, has allowed me to have the career path that I've had. I've never been worried about someone replacing me. I've always been, you know, helping someone to replace me because and I have said this before, if you're irreplaceable, you're unpromotable. I, I have to help people in order for me to be free to go do the next interesting thing. So it, it all ties together. It's really, it's very interesting as you 
really get into the study of leadership, how these things all relate to one another. I, it's fascinating to me. What I love most about this too is that, you know, a lot of people that come to us, whether it's coming to a muster or coming to one of our field training exercise program, you know, these in-person training events or, you know, a, a keynote, you know, the, someone comes up after a talk about, you know, a, a question that they have uh, or through the, the Extreme Ownership Academy, you know, when they're engaging with us and asking these questions, people often feel like they're in an impossible position and, and that there's, you know, this is, I'm at an impasse. I don't know what to do. I can't get this person on board with the new strategy. I can't get my boss to listen to me to go in this direction that I know that we need to go in to be successful. You know, and when you realize that all of these problems are leadership, they're, they're ultimately leadership problems. Leadership is the solution to these problems. You know, and that's what I, what I love when you can reveal to people when they can detach from that the emotional reaction and they realize, hey, there is a solution to this problem. And then when they go and implement, uh, the, you know, we're talking to the problem with them. We kind of understand, you know, we give some recommendations on, uh, on, on, you know, on how to actually go and implement that, that solution. And then when they come back and they say, this stuff works. I mean, that to me is, yeah. is, is the most rewarding thing that could possibly happen. When you, they, were, they were at this impossible place and they realized, I got that problem solved through leadership. And now their minds are open and they're willing to learn more yeah. because they realize I can solve other problems through leadership as well. There is an actual solution to these problems. And we're all cheering for them. You know, it's, it's great, you know, on the Academy and people will say like, Hey, how'd that conversation go? I know you said you were going to have that tough conversation, you know, and we're, we're all cheering for each other. And, and that's great when you, when you lose that scarcity mindset that there's a limited or a finite amount of success in the world and that you, someone being successful doesn't mean that someone else is not successful. And to just be able to say, all right, we're, we're all on this journey together. And it's a lot more fun to go on a ride with friends. And here we are all, you know, we're going to take turns driving, you know, and it's, it's just such a wonderful thing to see so many like I said, like-minded in that we're supporting each other on this journey of leadership and, you know, ultimately being the best that we can be in all aspects of our lives. Any, any, any final thoughts that you want to share before we close this thing out? You know, Leif, I really just want to thank you and the entire team for the important work you're doing and sharing all these lessons that you all learned in very, very challenging situations. And I also want to thank you all for your service to our country and uh, just keep up the great work. It's important work. And I'm personally very thankful. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. I, I want to thank you. I mean, this is the reason we do this uh, and we're inspired by, by leaders like you. And as I said, when, when you talk, we listen uh, and because, because we have tremendous respect and admiration for you, for your leadership experience uh, and for the success that you've generated through uh, implementing these principles. And, and it's been so awesome to have engaged with you on Twitter, you know, in, in uh, seven years ago, uh, you know, and, and then met you at muster, you know, to follow on that. And then, and then yeah. continued to connect with you and stay in touch with you. And, and the fact that we get to even all the way, you're all the way across the Atlantic ocean from us and in London here, but I get to see you uh, every week, you know, extreme ownership Academy is outstanding and I get to learn from you as well. I mean, that's, you know, think, I can't thank you enough for, how you have taken and spread the knowledge of what we do, shared it with other people, um, and uh, and talked about you know the that where you know the, the lessons that you learned and how that's helped other people. It's helped me. I learn from you uh, every day. So 
uh, thank you so much for, for all that you do. We appreciate your friendship and, and uh, we appreciate your leadership. And it's an honor to have you on. You've you inspired this uh, this podcast to come about. So uh, thanks for making it happen. And we wouldn't be here without you. Really appreciate it. Well, it, it's it's great to be with you. It's great to see your beautiful family and everything that that you're doing. And uh, every day's a school day. So I'll see you on the academy. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks, Lee.